Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about treating spondies and athletes. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I am joined by the crew at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston, Massachusetts. We're here zooming away the answers to your questions Keep them coming. The more, the better. Anything you want to talk about related to PT, sports performance, business, career advice, anything. Uh, tons of great questions, uh, you know, always coming in. We appreciate them and we try to get to as many as we can. So head to MikeRinald.com, click on that podcast link if you want to ask your question. And let's go through the crew. What do we have today? Let's go. Uh, we're going to start in reverse order on my screen, even though I'm pretty sure that doesn't ever, ever work. But Lisa Russell, Dewesh Podell, Dan Pope, Lenny McCrina, Dave Tilly, Mike Scaduto here for you today. Len, it looks <laughs> like the students shifted seats so that way they, we can be they, super confusing. Yeah. They shifted like this, since though. last week. It's amazing how you remembered what they were sitting like last week when we recorded. <laughs> to, you know what? To, you know what to me it looks like it looks like they're you know like when in like no shave November where you take selfies of yourself over the course of the month like I feel like they're they're the same person at various points of no shave November. I think that's spot on. Yeah, that nailed it. Yeah. All right, Len, who do we got? We got the triplets. We got the triumvirate of uh, Ben Fisher from the University of Kentucky. We have Zach Leal from NYU via Clemson University. He played a little, little tiny baseball at Clemson. He got on the field for a Clemson baseball game. And we have Chris Afonso, not Alonzo, Afonso from Clarkson University up in the upstate New York. You know, and there's there's a reason why, you know, Ben has been dedicated as our, our official catch partner of all of our patients. So, um, you know, I'm going to keep that in mind, Zach. You know, I Zach, is a, Zach is a big time sleeper. He just is winning over odds right now from him because they're leaving on the same day. So he's got to yeah. step up and go. Chris is very nervous in the background. I like that. So, <laughs> all right. What, what, what do we got? Is it Ben today? What do we got for a question today? Okay. Hamp in Mississippi asks, how do you approach the treatment of spondylolysis, PARS defect, stress fractures in athletes? Do you brace them for six to 12 weeks as some docs in my area recommend? The literature does not seem to back that up from what I can find. Nah. I love questions. I love the literature let, back up. We can just let, I know what, what does the literature, back? <laughs> the, the literature can back anything or everything or nothing up all at once. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
right? I mean, we're, we're literally at the point where we're doing meta-analysis of a meta-analysis of a meta-analysis. At some point in time, we're going to run out of meta-analyses. There's, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. But these are my favorite type of questions because I'm just going to say, Dave, why don't you start it off? And then if anybody has any other experience, they want to kind of jump in. But Dave, can I just ask you just to make the episode a little bit more complete here? So uh, we got a spondy low lysis, right? So just like quickly, just define what that means compared to some of the other ones, and maybe w- what you see most in our athletes and how if that changes your treatment approach a little bit. Before you talk a little bit about like the bracing and stuff like that, I kind of I, I don't know. I just want to make sure that everybody's on the same page with the information and we're not talking about different pathologies. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it it definitely is important to kind of highlight the spectrum of what you might see because it does matter for bracing, especially like on the East coast here. So yeah, I mean, obviously the earlier side of the pathology is just facet syndrome, right? So extension and rotation bugs the facet and, you know, the capsule you could argue is maybe it, maybe the bone is getting stressed, but that's kind of like what you see uh, typically not as much. Usually someone, if they do kind of tweak their back, uh, you, you don't usually see that person because they just kind of deal with it. You know, they kind of goes away in a week and it kind of gets better. So if they rest, uh, as you move farther up into either repetitive extension or repetitive rotation or repetitive compression and extension, you can get a stress reaction. It's where the pedicle starts to show bony edema and kind of like a irritation, but it's not actually fractured. So that's like the second stage. The third stage would be a, a, a full break, which is a spondylolysis, which is when the pars actually does fracture through, but it's stable. So it's not, uh, the pieces haven't moved away from each other. And then if there's translation, it's spondylolisthesis, which is where they grade it one, two, three, or four, based on what 25% of like how far is one segment moving away from the other. So the reason that matters is because, um, here in the East coast, right. It's called the Boston overlap brace for a reason. It's like made in Boston, right. Versus in the West coast, they don't brace a lot of people at all. And I've talked to friends who are out in the West coast. Um, they kind of just let them rest and stabilize themselves and try not to do activity. So I guess, I don't know if I had the experience to say not bracing, what would happen in the clinical course? Cause pretty much everyone that I see is getting some version of a brace because the docs around here seem to find that's the best. Uh, one of my friends is a physician, Dr. Makovich, and he has said there are some studies out there that show that the pedicle itself is not actually stabilized when you wear the brace, the hard rigid brace. So it's still kind of moving a little bit, the segment, but people definitely have less symptoms when you're, when you're wearing the brace. So I don't really know what the answer is because the literature is all over the place, but in my experience, um, most people typically don't do well if they're have a break and they're not in a brace because they're moving, they're sleeping, they're turning and tossing and, you know, they're just living their life. When you're in a brace, maybe it forces you to be less active and you can feel better. I don't really know the answer to that. Uh, particularly, but usually what happens is based on what kind of thing you have, right? If you have a, a joint based, just facet syndrome, you're probably not getting braced. If you have a stress reaction where they do a, an MRI and they do see an oblique line through the pars of the neural arch, they'll probably brace you for like, you know, four to six weeks to try to get the bone just to kind of calm down. If you do have a full spondy fracture, typically people around here are using a, a brace protocol of 12 weeks in a hard rigid brace and then a step down brace where either they'll cut the brace or do a soft brace. And then if you have a full spondylolysis, it's kind of a different story because you just talk about, you know, is it their neural involvement? You know, what's the degree of sliding? So that's my experience, um, kind of going through it. I don't know if you want to. Yeah. And, and Dave, I mean, it's successful experience, right. Too. So like that bracing, it works. Right. And, you know, it was funny like the students and I were, uh, were watching one of your patients recently, um, that, 
was wearing a brace and, you know, she like walks in with a brace, you know, takes it off. And then we were watching her walk with you to the gym, like with that, like little duck walk that you do because you've been in a back brace for, for 12 weeks. Right. So it's kind of interesting. I think that showed me two things, right? One is the back brace probably really works, right? It works on, you know, limiting your, your back motion, especially rotary because she, she developed this like compensation with how she walked with like just her hips and not moving her back. But, you know, it also made me, you know, the students and I kind of think about this and talk about it a little bit about like, you know, like, you know, some of the aftermath of the bracing, right. And some of the other things that you have to work on because you were braced for so long. Right. So if you have somebody with a spondy that is, or isn't braced, you know, you're, you're sometimes like your, your, some of your, uh, you know, your treatment objectives may, may change a little bit because you're dealing with some of the secondary stuff that occurs from it. Right. But Dave, just for, for clarity's sake though, what these people in a brace, how, how long are they in a brace and can't do rehab versus when can they start rehab usually? Yeah, that's definitely something that I think it's, it's similar to like what you see with like meniscus stuff and ACLs. We thought these people shouldn't be in rehab for a long time because we were worried about it. But as with all things, if you're really uh, understanding the pathology, you're talking with a doc, you're, you're kind of understanding what forces the sport is, you can start them very early. So I see people literally week one, like they go get their brace and they come to PT after. And a lot of the times what we're doing is trying to figure out doing assessments on like the shoulders, T-spine and hips to figure out like what was going on that caused you to maybe have your fracture. Like, are you limited in hip mobility or overhead shoulder flexibility? And I think you can work on those impairments while the person is kind of calming down and doing some things to make their back feel better. And then doing neutral based core exercises by like week three or four. So I think it's, it can start earlier if you understand what's going on. I think the big thing that I used to miss and a lot of other people miss is a lot of spondies can come from different types of forces. You can get a spondy fracture or like a spinous process impingement from just like extreme backbending, like gymnasts get that, but also extension and rotation is a different kind of force that a baseball player would express. And then actually the patient I think you're talking about is a diver. So her, her pain came from compression and extension. So there's three different people who all had, you know, L2 to L4 spondies, but they had very different sports, very different forces. So that kind of changes quite a bit of how my rehab goes, because if compression and extension is the main force for this girl, it's very different than like the the baseball player who has extension and rotation. I'm doing like rotational med ball work later with one person and doing like very high vertical impact forces on the other one. So it's, it's not always about, oh, you have a spondy just do the same protocol. Like it changes quite a bit. Oh, absolutely. I had no idea she was a diver, by the way. I just thought all your female patients that were shorter than me are gymnasts. So <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's my criteria for figuring, figuring it out. But, uh, awesome. Uh, Mike, t- tell me a little bit like, so w- I don't think we get it to this level as much with our baseball athletes, but, but we certainly do. We're probably more of the stress reaction stuff, but, um, you know, how is this different in, in rotary sports like baseball and golf with stress fractures and, you know, spondies like, you know, what, wh- how bad does it need to be to brace, you know, any, any other thoughts in a rotary baseball versus a little bit more gymnastics, which is probably a little bit of just like extreme range of motion and, and impact, like Dave said, I mean, I think they're slightly different, right? Yeah, totally. I, I would say just anecdotally over the last four years, I've been a champion. I think we've, we've seen more in our rotational athletes, more spondy fractures. Um, and I think it potentially comes down to these kids are getting bigger and stronger. They're able to swing the bat uh, faster. They're able to swing a golf club faster. It's putting more stress on their spine, uh, potentially. And the volume of swings is so high. So we see that a lot in junior golfers where they may be relatively undertrained from a strength and power perspective, but their volume of swings is so high and they are going into extreme range of motion, especially the more hypermobile athletes, uh, the younger kind of more loosey goosey athletes in that, uh, impact position, they're getting a lot of side bend and a lot of compression on the, trail side 
um, up the lumbar spine. And then through the follow through, they're coming into a lot of extension uh, of their back. So I definitely think that it is pretty prevalent in golfers. It may not get to the point of a spondylolysis or spondylolisthesis. They may be in that stress reaction phase. Um, but I think from my perspective, if I see a, um, a rotational athlete with, you know, pretty specific low back pain that bothers them with extension and rotation on testing, uh, most of the time I'm referring those people out to get some kind of imaging to rule out a stress reaction or a stress fracture. It's not necessarily something that I spend, uh, that I would wait a really long time to refer out. Yeah. I feel like sometimes when we try to treat that just symptomatically here, it's like you bang your head against the wall and every time you start swinging again, it just, it's just right there. You know? But the flip side of that is they may end up in a brace for 12 weeks and uh, then you're looking at a pretty long recovery from that standpoint. Um, and it's tough to, like you guys said, break the compensation pattern of being in a brace. Uh, so it often takes, you know, a few months after coming out of the brace to get them back into full activity. Yeah. I don't think people quite, I don't think physicians, but I mean, it is what it is, but I don't think physicians really, you know, if it's three months in a brace and three months more in rehab, that type of thing. I mean, six months is half a year of somebody's very short athletic career. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. So, um, awesome. All right. Well, great stuff. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that was helpful answering, um, your question there, Hamp. Um, yeah. And, and I think the biggest thing I got from Dave's too, with in terms of the bracing Dave's response was just that, like, it may be geographically dependent on the physician preferences you are. So if you move or, you know, you have a physician that moves from a different part of the country, comes here, you, it may be completely different. Um, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I, I'm not sure we know the right answer, but I do know that on our end, there are things we can just watch out for and make sure that we're, we're addressing. So hopefully that helps. Uh, really appreciate it. Please head to iTunes, Spotify, rate, review, subscribe, so we can keep doing these uh, episodes for you. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks again. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinal.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.